Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Welcome to the show. There is not much better than celebrating a very special day with 12 and a half hours of consecutive NBA. Christmas Day is nice. Christmas Day is nice. Make no mistake. That's a, that's a good one. But this, I really do believe, is the single best NBA day of the entire season. It starts first thing in the morning. I, t- too early for me to even get a show out in front of it, unless I was able to squeeze one out Sunday night, which doesn't always happen. Might be able to pull it off once in a while. But on, on Christmas Day, you got, what, five, six games, and they just stack them back to back to back to back to back. Today, it's just games every half hour, almost the entire day. There's only one weird little pocket between the midday shift and the, I guess you could call it the evening shift, where there's this, and even then, it's only about a 10-minute respite when all the games are off. It's incredible. Uh, there are a dozen games coming up today. One is starting right this moment. So I guess the first thing I ought to say is, go please check your lineups. You got to do it. You got to do it on time today. I tweeted last night to set your lineups the night before, which is what I do every Sunday before MLK Day. You you set your lineups on Sunday night because something's going to happen Monday morning, and hopefully you can react to it and, and make your adjustments in time. But, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's rough to try to squeeze it, especially uh, on the, the Pacific Coast, where games start like right at the front end of the workday. It's the afternoon on the East Coast now. I get it. That's different. That's not... We have a sl- sort of a different experience over here, but you got to set your lineups the night before, or you're going to forget, because it's just a different routine. But it begins in Boston, first thing in the morning, starting right now. They host the Pelicans, and then it's just a half hour later, Charlotte, New York, an hour after that, Philly, Washington, an hour after that, Brooklyn, Cleveland... Half an hour after that, two games, Chicago, Memphis, Indy Clippers, and then you've got the 10-minute break. Indiana and uh, the Clips will probably end around 3, well, 2.50 Pacific time, and then Milwaukee, Atlanta will probably tip at about 3.05 Pacific time. So you got like a 15-minute break, and then an hour later, Portland, Orlando, half an hour, Toronto, Miami, an hour after that, Philly, San Antonio, and OKC, Dallas, and finally, Utah and the Lakers, which I think is probably going to be a hideous game late in the evening. I can't believe Utah is only a four and a half point favorite. I, like, I don't, is Rudy Gobert sitting out the back-to-back? I, not that I had heard, but otherwise, not with the way the Lakers are playing lately. Although maybe they'll be better at home. We'll see. In any event, this is a reverse chronological lightning round Monday, whether we want it to be or not. I also know that because it's a holiday, fewer people are going to be listening to the podcast. I also know that it's because... Uh, because it is a, a holiday, that means we kind of need to sprint. That's the holiday way. So, for your listening pleasure, we will skip all promos today, other than to remind you guys of what the codes are at each of our four current partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. Code number one for ExpressVPN, it's actually a link, expressvpn.com slash Hoopball, still the old name of the website, but you know what? The code works just fine, and that's what's important. 
at mybookie.ag. The code is HoopBall. But that's not a link. That's a code. You enter that at the third page of sign up. Again, ExpressVPN. It's actually a special link. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall. Uh, over at Thrive Fantasy, the code is ETHOS. Should be a really fun day over there. You got to check out Thrive Fantasy today. Get that 100% deposit match bonus and a pair of contest entry vouchers. And finally, our buddies at Manscaped, Ethos 20, 20% off and free shipping on your order. I am Dan Vespers. This, again, is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. You can follow Sports Ethos's fantasy feed, the single greatest fantasy news feed in the history of the universe, at Ethos Fantasy BK. I see a lot of you have actually done so recently, so please continue to do so. Ethos Fantasy BK. It is now the fastest, most detailed combination on the internet. Faster than Fantasy Labs now in a lot of spots. Far more detail than Fantasy Labs. And Roto World, NBC Sports Edge, they've got a really nice detailed one as well, but Sports Ethos is faster. You can get really good information from both of those, by the way. I don't want to take anything away uh, from a lot of our, our good friends that actually work over at uh, Sports Edge. But Ethos 1, quicker. Two really good feeds, by the way. You need to be following both of those for whatever that's worth. Fantasy Labs has gotten freaking spicy. Have you seen? They're weird, man. When they get asked questions about their feed, they're like cursing people out and stuff. It's really strange. I don't know what happened over there. I still have them on my feed because they do starting lineups, and that's kind of good to know. A lot of the other sites don't. But I don't know. It's so weird when someone asks them a question or tries to point out if they have a mistake. They get so uppity. So mad. I can't figure it out. I don't. Something changed. In any event, 12 and a half hours of basketball. Let's do this thing. What a day. Over the weekend, as we sprint through our reverse chronological lightning round, uh, just a, a handful of games on Sunday, short Sunday leading into the big Monday. That's tip- typically how that works. I think there was a, uh, a thought that maybe it had something to do with NFL playoffs beginning, but that was not it. It's really to mo- make sure that most teams can get in gear for the giant Monday. And as far as Sunday goes, I don't think we learned a ton of things other than a couple of injuries. Phoenix lost DeAndre Ayton to a sprained ankle. He's questionable for their next ball game. If he sits it out, you guys know what to do. Drop JaVale McGee in and watch JaVale McGee run. It is a sight to behold, and he'll probably... I mean, he had 20 points on 10 shots in that ball game yesterday on Sunday. 9 out of 10 shooting. And that's what you can do when you have Chris Paul getting you the basketball. Jay Crowder is actually a pretty good start right now with no Cam Johnson. They need him to do extra. That'll fade as Johnson gets healthy, but for now, he's actually probably a... uh, I don't know if I'd stream him in Roto. It makes me a little bit nervous, but I certainly would do so in head-to-head when the schedule situation is right. Detroit game, what we actually learned from this game is... uh, Well, they're, they're quite bad still, but what we learned from this game is that those... Those front court minutes are still pretty well up for grabs. In that, you know, we saw Isaiah Stewart play 23 pretty inconsequential minutes. We saw Trey Lyles play 19 minutes. He was better, but had an awful time at the free throw line. Six for 13, kind of ruining the game there. All that to point out that if Kelly Olinick, who was actually doubtful for this game, he finally got upgraded from just out to doubtful. So I was like, well, 
maybe like 15% chance he drops into the lineup. He didn't play, which is fine, but it means he's getting close. He's no longer a 0% chance of playing. He's going to take a little time to get ramped up. My guess would be about 10 days to get him to whatever, like, I mean, more than that, frankly, to get his legs back underneath him, but just in terms of playing time, you know, it'll be 16 minutes, and then it'll be 18, then 20, and then 22. So it's going to be like six games before he gets into the right number. But if he gets there before Jeremy Grant comes back, and if the team is continuing to look like this, I'm a little bit, I, w- I was feeling a tiny bit bearish on Olenek after feeling quite bullish on him for a while. And now I'm back to being uh, bullish again, because none of these guys is the answer for Detroit. So why not drop a veteran in there and showcase him, even if the trade deadline ends up shaking it all up a little bit. Houston and Sacramento played a rematch. Rockets got their revenge. Kevin Porter had one of his rare, efficient ball games. If you caught him on that one, congratulations. Then you have to try to guess the next one. Rockets are rough, man. It's good to play the Kings if you want to get a little bit of fantasy value mixed in, but they are a rough one to try to figure out who's going to do it on any given night. Jay Sean Tate had a big game the last time around, then he was pretty bad in this one. Jalen Green was a little bit better in this ball game after being pretty bad for two or three. Eric Gordon's been kind of quietly okay, but you know he's on the trade block, and he'll go to a place where he doesn't get to do much at all. There's a lot of blech. And Alperin Sengun, that everyone's been squatting on the entire year, has been downright unplayable for a month. On the Kings side, this again, protocol injury type of stuff, but it is relevant. Rashawn Holmes came back, played 15 minutes his first game, still doesn't have his conditioning back. There's very much an opportunity for a buy low on Rashawn Holmes even if he gets traded, frankly, at this point. Because I think managers are getting super frustrated with the eye injury and then protocols and now conditioning. He can be had for a top 80 type of player, and that's probably worth it. This is something you should explore. That said, the more obvious stuff in Sacramento is with Tyrese Halliburton hitting protocols, Terrence Davis is a must-stream player. He played 37 and a half minutes and took the second most shots on the team behind just Buddy Heald, who's also a must-stream guy with Halliburton out, because now it's figure out who else can run the offense. Admittedly, De'Aaron Fox got ejected in this game, so that changed things a little bit. I'm not quite as bullish on Davian Mitchell, uh, just because he's you know he's not going to shoot 58% every ballgame, for one, and then Halliburton will come back. But he's probably streamable as well. The Rockets had something to do with it. They play a very fast tempo. But instead of going through this sort of one by one, here's here's the feeling. While Halliburton is out, Dar- Davis is a guy you absolutely positively must stream if he's in that starting lineup. Uh, Shemezi Metu is one of my favorite trade deadline stashes because the Kings have about five guys that could all get traded. It's not like you just need one dude to get moved. You actually have a choice. If Barnes gets traded, it's great for Metu. If Holmes gets traded, it's great for Metu. If Bagley gets traded, who was out for this ballgame, it's good for Metu. You saw it. All Bag- We only needed one. Bagley was out, so Metu started at power forward and played 26 minutes. 14-7 and seven with a steal and a three-pointer. Sometimes he'll mix in a block. If Holmes is gone, he could move up, start at center, potentially. If Barnes is gone, that's a big one. That's a lot of minutes cleared out in the front court. So a lot of things can clear the pathway, which is why... When we talk about trade deadline stash stuff, I'm actually generally kind of against it because you're just waiting on this one 
guy, okay, if this guy gets traded, then the guy I'm squatting on magically becomes a fantasy-relevant player. You need one key thing to happen, and any one particular trade, even if it's a likely trade to happen, is still, at best, like a 40% proposition. But if you say that about the Kings right now, there's like three different 40% propositions. If any of them happen, your guy gets a bump. I used to remember how to do the probability on this. It's been a long time since I took a, a math class. Been out of college for 17 years now. And the last probability class I took was probably freshman year of college. So 21 years ago. Oh, Lord. I don't like the sound of that. Anyway, I'm fairly certain that uh, you multiply the the opposite. Like, what are the odds that all of these things don't happen and then flip it? Meaning, uh, so if there's a 40% chance that, it, that any of those trades does happen, then you say it's a 60% chance that this one doesn't happen times 60% times 60%. So 0.6 times 0.6 times 0.6, and then you do 1 minus that number. Someone out there who's better at probabilities can... can Either correct me if I'm misremembering how to do that particular situation, uh, but I believe that puts it at a close to an 80% chance. Again, this is assuming there's a 40% chance that a trade does happen of any one of these three guys, but that gives Metu an 80% chance of moving into fantasy value. That's pretty good. That's better than the 40% chance we're talking about with some of these other guys. So I like Metu. I'm sitting on him in a couple of spots. He's an active stash. So you can play him in a head-to-head league. It's good stuff. And then, again, Terrence Davis, you got to stream him right now. Healed, he needs to be going right now. And Mitchell is sort of the 50-50 guy for me. Not much to take away from that Utah-Denver game. Rudy Gobert came back and dominated the basketball game. Utah went from being kind of bad to being very, very good again. And Royce O'Neal went from being really interesting fantasy-wise to being extraordinarily boring fantasy-wise again. Doopy doop 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 do on we roll. On the Denver side, uh, Aaron Gordon's actually been okay lately. He, to me, continues to be one of the more over-rostered players in all of fantasy. He's right around number 140 on the season. But over the last, like, week, really, he's shown some signs of life. Uh, he had that 11.33 pointer win over the Lakers. The previous one was not very good. He had 5, 8, and 4, but a block. There was 30 and 12 against the Clippers. Uh, he had a stretch there, four games in a row in double-figure scoring. He's been okay basically since the turn of the year. Uh, but not much in the way of defensive stats. And we know he's not a good free-throw shooter that is somehow hitting 91% over the last week or two. So those things are bound to fall off. It's why I can't really ever trust him, even when it looks like he's playing well. And frankly, Will Barton, who was fine in this ball game, he's fallen off hard as well. Right now, the Nuggets are one viable fantasy player. Barton's hard to drop because he's starting and getting big starters minutes, and we know he can get some boards, some assists, some steals, some blocks, some threes. That combination, if he gets warmer from the field, everything moves back into place. But, I mean, none of those guys needs to be started right now. And then the Warriors, you know, without Steph, without Dre, they're not very good. Jordan Poole is very startable without Steph and without Dre. Otto Porter is startable without Steph and without Dre. Everybody's making a push for Jonathan Kaminga to get more uh, fantasy love, but he, to me, I can't, I can't trust it. I don't know enough about him to throw him into my lineup. Wiggins should have been better 
with all these guys missing, and he would be in the next one if those guys are still out. You have to adjust on the fly, though. If Steph comes back, I don't think you can use Jordan Poole anymore, provided Klay Thompson is is in, if it's a game where he's playing, uh, although they played yesterday, so you know, make your adjustments there. Anytime that Steph or Clay is out, Poole is useful again. But that makes him a tough head-to-head guy. Fits a bit more in the games cap format. You can kind of plug whenever the situation dictates. And and we may have to make some adjustments on Andrew Wiggins to that end as well. Minnesota, this is a blowout, so I wouldn't read too much into it. They're, they're a start-the-starters team right now, and, and we can keep that relatively easy on the handicap. Turning the clock back to Saturday as the, all these ball games now are starting to get underway today. Toronto beat Milwaukee. No Scotty Barnes, no Gary Trent Jr. Uh, Barnes is expected back, I believe, for their next ball game. He's close at the very least. Gary Trent remains questionable. He's been day-to-day for about the last four ball games, but he'll get in there at some point. Yes, that's going to shake things up a little bit. No, I don't trust Precious Achua because he finally had a slightly better offensive game and three blocks. Very unusual for him. But Chris Boucher, another good one. 15 and 7, two threes, a steal, and three blocks. And he must be started. And I think he can be started even as guys start coming back. It seems like he's made that adjustment to his game to just be more team first, fewer mistakes. And I, you know, it feels like there's no way they drop him back under 19, 20 minutes anymore. Plus, we know Toronto well enough to that someone is always out on that team. And right now, if any one player is out, it seems like it's benefiting Boucher. So that's where you're at with that one. Still no Drew Holiday for Milwaukee. His ankle thing is lingering, and it's given Grayson Allen an opportunity to kind of get rolling again. You can probably stream Allen. I'd be a bit nervous in a games cap format. 50-50. Call 50-50. Portland beat Washington 115-110. The Anthony Simons, Rob Covington-led Blazers have actually played really well over their last handful of ballgames. And it's because Simons is playing out of his mind. Look, I get it. Anthony's a good basketball player. But he ain't this good. 31 and 11 with seven three-pointers and two steals. And here's the thing. You guys know that, like, look, I drafted Simons in 30 deep. I like him. He's a good basketball player. He's fun. He's a a really nice sort of bench gunner for that Portland team that's now been thrust into a much larger role. But here's the issue. He's doing all of this with Every other usage guy on this shelf besides Yusuf Nurkic. No Dame, no CJ, no Norm. And Nurk fouled out of this ballgame on top of everything else going on. Yes, I know Larry Nance is out as well. I also love Larry Nance Jr., but he's not a usage guy, so I didn't include him in that conversation. CJ McCollum, due back today. Norman Powell, due back later this week. That is going to change how things work for the Blazers. It was Nurk taking 15 shots and Simons taking 21 with 11 assists. Those guys did everything and have been doing everything. And that's going to change. Which isn't to say that Simons isn't about to have a pretty good run, but he's not going to be a first-rounder the rest of the way. In addition to everything else, on the usage front, he's also shooting a ridiculous clip 
You think you guys think he just magically became Steph Curry overnight? He did not. So yes, I get it. Over the last two weeks, he's number six, but. He's making 10 out of 19 shots, effectively. He's shooting over 50% from the field. Over five three-pointers a game. 28 points and eight assists. Field goal attempts are coming down. Free throw attempts are coming down. Field goal percent is coming down. Threes, points, assists, all coming down. It's all coming down. And the other thing about Simons, who had two steals in that last ballgame, he doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't. He has five of them over his last five ball games, playing colossal minutes, 38, 39, 34, 35, 38, 40. Yeah, five actually over his last six ball games. if you want to extend it a bit farther to when he stepped into that much larger, dameless role. And shooting as well as he has, nine, five, two, seven, two, seven, three-pointers, that's not keeping up. This is the prototypical sell high. Question is, I have no idea what you can get back for him. So what I don't know what the target is, but if you can get something inside the top 60, I think you do it. Here's the thing. People hear 60 and they uh, in in the mind, it feels way farther back than 50. If you aim top 50, you might not get the guy you were hunting for. If you aim top 60, you probably will. Jalen Brown is between 50 and 60. CJ McCollum, his teammate is between 50 and 60. Shea, Tobias Harris, Pascal Siakam, these guys are between 50 and 60. If you go higher, Terry Rozier, I don't know if you're going to get it. OG Ananobi, don't know if you're going to get it. Darius Garland, I don't think you're going to get it. JJJ, probably not. DeAndre Ayton. And the funny thing is, those those players really aren't separated by almost, almost anything. Like, the difference between OG Ananobi and uh, CJ McCollum is next to nothing. It's like the difference between the number 15 and and number 17 players if you went farther up the board. So yes, hard sell high on Anthony Simons. And the the joy in Mudville might start to wear off tonight, although I I doubt CJ plays all that many minutes in his first game back. Okay, uh, we spent too much time on on that team. Oh, how about Rob Covington? He's also rolling first round. And that's another thing that's going to come off a little bit. Although again, with no Dame... Everybody gets a little extra, and I think Rocco is probably here to stay now. Not this high, but he's in good shape. Washington side, uh, things are messy in the center position right now. Gafford had 11 minutes. Harrell had 25. Thomas Bryant had 12. None of those guys need to be on your roster right now. I I love Daniel Gafford as much as the next guy, but this three-player timeshare not only is bad for all three because no one can get into a rhythm, um... But it's bad for fantasy. Spencer Dinwiddie can go. Bradley Beal, by the way, cleared protocols, so he might be back later today. And if that's the case, then he might be the only player worth using on the Wizards. Knicks beat the Hawks. That's one they wanted. Knicks really wanted it. Alec Burks, he's a go as long as he's starting. You guys know my my feelings there. Mitchell Robinson, he's a go as long as he's starting. Same story. Cam Reddish is still apparently not that close. Although there was... Video of him shooting three-pointers that rolled out this morning, so I guess he's not that far away. But right now, Julius Randle, Alec Burks, Mitchell Robinson are the only nine-cat startable guys on the Knicks. R.J. Barrett's on one of his little heaters. If you really wanted to take the plunge there, fine. 
Kemba Walker is interesting. I don't know what he's going to be when he comes back, so just sort of keep an eye on that stuff. On the Atlanta side, Clint Capella is still out. Uh, Okongwu has moved to the bench, which actually seems to have helped him a little bit. 12-5 and five with a steal, a couple blocks, and a perfect 6-for-6 six six shooting against second units. So he's probably streamable still if you need those big man stats. Just pray he doesn't go 0-for-4 at the free throw line again. I tried to warn you guys on this podcast that I'm not that excited about DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, or really any of these wings. And the only one that I thought would stay above the cut line was Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he didn't play in this ballgame. Hopefully he'll be back soon. But look, Hunter came out of the gates shooting red hot with some blocks. Didn't rebound, didn't pass. There was nothing else there. A very hot player with an empty stat set is a mirage. It's a pretty easy thing to read. I frankly would wish they'd just rolled Danilo Gallinari out for a bunch. At least we know his fantasy game translates. But for now, Trey Young, John Collins, those are the easy ones. And then probably Okongwu and probably Bogdan when he's playing. But those guys are kind of 50-50 at best anyway. New Orleans lost in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant sprained his knee. He's out for four to six weeks. Most folks are assuming after the All-Star break for KD. There's nothing really to talk about on the Pelican side. They're the same thing here they've been for a little while yet. For Brooklyn, I got a lot of questions about the Nets, and I answered them all pretty much the same way. The questions were, what do we do about Patty Mills, Kessler Edwards, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp? And LaMarcus Aldridge. Sorry, almost forgot one. Uh, well, in terms of the big men, they're sort of their own unique little story. I do think Aldridge ultimately moves his way back into the starting job and puts up fantasy value. So if you can, I'd try to sit on LaMarcus. If Claxton is expected to come back first between those two guys, you probably pick up him and you roll with it. So that's a little simpler. That's, you know, replacement to the replacement to the replacement. To that end... I'm not that interested in De'Ron Sharp because his value could get ruined by either one of those two centers coming back, LaMarcus or Claxton. As the other guys go, Patty Mills, Kessler Edwards, Cam Thomas in particular, I find them all to be almost impossible to deal with in a head-to-head format. First of all, all three of those guys shot over 50% in this win against the Pelicans. That's not something that's going to happen. They hit nine three-pointers, uh... And all of them were lights out from the field. This was basically three best case scenarios for those guys. Because KD was out from pretty early in the ballgame. I think he got hurt in the second quarter. Kyrie was out because this game was in New York. And so they had as much run as they could handle. No LaMarcus again, no Claxton as well. Not, I mean, small impact on them, but not a zero, not a zero impact. And they were hot. Everything went the right way. Brooklyn has a handful of road games coming up, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to get a bunch of Kyrie, meaning you're going to get a ton of Harden, a ton of Kyrie, and then what's left after that? These guys couldn't really carve out a consistent spot, any one of the three of them, when KD was in there. They got close. And what you're probably looking at with Brooklyn is that when this team plays at home and it's James Harden and the Hardenaires then all three of them have a shot to have value. When they go on the road and Kyrie drops in and takes 19 shots, I'm not sure any of them has value consistently. Maybe 30, 40% of the time on the road? 
one of the three, two of the three will do something at home. Maybe it's more like 60, 70% of the time. One or two of them has a good ball game. When I'm using up a Roto games cap, I want to feel like I have a better than 50% chance of getting a really nice ball game out of a guy. So yeah, I might pick up any one of those three dudes and deploy them for Brooklyn Net home games between now and when KD comes back. But I don't think I can do it on the road. And so in head-to-head, I, I don't know how you do it. But it is a four to six week thing, and and Brooklyn has, I think they're actually pretty heavily on the road here coming up, but they do have some home games mixed in, and maybe you just sort of swallow the fact that those might not be as good. Cleveland beat Oklahoma City. No real fantasy notes in this game. Darius Baisley's had a couple of good ones in a row, but I think we know that's not going to stick. He didn't just magically become a good field goal and free throw percent guy. If he did, I would pick him up, but I ain't going to believe it after three, four games. Everybody gets hot for a week. Not me. Every basketball player gets hot for a week. Philly beat Miami 109-98. to Sixers uh, have gone back to just the four guys you can start. Maxi, Embiid, Harris, and Seth Curry. Jimmy Butler came back since the last time we spoke. And that is a really nice thing. I know he was awful in this ballgame, but frankly, I don't care. The fact that he's out there and playing, his ankle is better, his tailbone's better. Please, Lord, just stay healthy. Caleb Martin had a huge one off the bench. You cannot trust that. 17 minutes of him just going nuts. Bam Adebayo is expected back either today or this week. Later this week at the latest, it sounds like. So Omer Yurtseven, his time is basically expired. Although, you know, you might see Bam only play 16 minutes. And so uh, Omer might have one or two good games left in the tank. But that would be about it. Tyler Hero is about to run out of steam with everybody coming back. And so just get what you can out of these guys and move along. Clippers offensively are just such a train wreck right now. Uh, Luke Kennard is someone that popped up in our premium chat over the weekend a few times. And I think that's actually a really sharp take by some of the Sports Ethos premium subscribers. Luke Kennard is going to step into 15 or 16 shots on this team because offensively they're so bad. Reggie Jackson has not translated any of his playoff stuff into the regular season. Eric Bledsoe has been way too inconsistent. Amir Coffey's been on a pretty good run, but you know that one's going to run out of gas at some point soon. That's how it works for young players who have never been established offensive threats before. Marcus Morris is startable. Ivica Zubas is startable. Isaiah Hartenstein came back and played only six minutes, which even with him... But the expectation of him ramping up, that was still kind of ugly low. I don't know that you need to squat on him in in 12-teamers. It might be a little bit. I would, however, consider Nick Batum. He's, He's finally starting to look like himself again a little bit. And if I had to rank the Clippers right now, it'd be Marcus Morris, Ivica Zubats, then Nick Batum, and then Luke Kennard. But if Kennard comes back this week, by next week... Uh, he probably ends up as my second favorite clip. Keep an eye on that. Gennard was playing well. His offense was looking good. He might end up being the best offensive player over the next few weeks, which is a crazy thing to think of. Ooh, that team is in a, playing some ugly basketball games. Spurs are more or less back to where they want to be. Devin Vassell, 31 starters minutes. You gotta like that. Didn't shoot it well, but you know this kid... He's good, man. He can hit threes, rebound, pass, steal, block. Must add player as he hits the starting lineup. Absolutely. No Jakob Pertl for this one, but I don't think the expectation is that he's out for very long. 
Boston beat Chicago on a couple of late free throws uh, from the Time Lord, and then he's promptly sitting out their ball game this morning, which now is partway through the first quarter. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, he's going to have to do a bunch with uh, Zach Levine on the shelf and Lonzo dealing with a sore knee. AO had 21 and 10 assists, but it was 9 out of 10 shooting. I, I mean, this is a guy that's going to get picked up everywhere and then dropped later this week. Kobe White is your safer play there. We've seen him do it before, and if he's asked to run a little point, that's what gets him over the 9-cat threshold. So if Lonzo's out, Kobe White is an all formats start if Lonzo is in I think he makes more sense in head-to-head or points leagues because he'll get a bunch of shots but he won't really be running the offense and then uh the hope is that they'll have Zach Levine back in a week or two I think but we'll see on that one it might be a little bit longer for the Celtics we know the drill anytime Marcus Smart is out Dennis Schroeder steps up anytime frankly any of the big usage guys is out Dennis Schroeder steps up And he's done it again. Every time I think, maybe he won't this time. He does it. Lakers uh, got completely obliterated by the Nuggets. This is truly an awful game. LeBron looks exhausted. He's not closing out on anybody on defense. He's settling for three-pointers. The Lakers are just not very good if LeBron isn't very good. And I don't think he's been very good their last two or three ball games. He'd never say it, but LeBron might just need a day off. Or like a week off. Just take a few L's. Give him a break. Let him come back. Play better again. There is optimism, however, that Anthony Davis might be back by the end of this week. Which would dramatically shift things in LA. And probably ends the Malik Monk run. Who had a bad ball game here, but everybody on the Lakers did. Um, I just don't know if he's going to get enough shots once Anthony Davis is back in the mix. And then it's just LeBron and AD, and if you're stuck with Russell Westbrook, which, God help you, why did you do such a thing? You're sort of stuck with him at that point. But there won't be anybody else beyond those dudes. Not after AD's back. So get what you can out of Malik Monk, because his fantasy end is nigh. Orlando uh, got Mobamba back, came off the bench, trying to get his wind uh, somehow. And actually, it was okay in 17 minutes. Six boards, two blocks. Get him fired up. Uh, Chumo Kiki, he's a tougher stream when either of those starters is back. He's still stream a bull. I mean, this was a particularly bad offensive game for Orlando. But the Magic have kind of hit this subtraction by addition situation where Jalen Suggs is back in the mix, and he's taking a bunch of shots, and that pulls shots away from Terrence Ross and Gary Harris and Cole Anthony. And Mo Wagner had a big one off the bench for whatever reason, because they were getting smoked, so it was like a weird mix-and-match kind of thing. Hopefully, the situation settles a little bit. My expectation for Orlando is that as the pieces fall into place, Bamba, if he's not traded, is going to be a start. Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be a start. Uh, Okiki won't. Franz Wagner should be. But it's possible his usage might fall so far that it isn't because of Jalen Suggs, who probably ends up in the starting lineup in place of Gary Harris relatively soon, who himself likely becomes a non-start. And then Cole Anthony is a start as well. So things are about to get pretty weird in Orlando. T. Ross, Gary Harris, those are guys that I'd be really worried about, which is a shame because I've been happily punching along with those dudes for the better part of a month. 
It's kind of amazing that one player, it's really Suggs coming back, has upended the rotations that much, but he took the 11 shots, most on the team in this game, and uh, when the guy comes back on your club that is going to then lead the team in usage, that really shifts the needle. And for Dallas, Kristaps Porzingis made a surprise appearance in this ballgame. He was supposed to sit it out, and then he played, and he was good. So get him fired up. Your lineups are all set. Bye-bye, Maxi Kleba. It was, a, it was a good time. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, his value might run out as well. He was on a really nice run. Well, someone was hurt on Dallas, whether it was Luka or KP or whatever. Uh, I'm impressed with Jalen Brunson. He's been able to stay above the threshold here with everybody back for the Mavericks. He's also been crazy hot from the field. If that wears off, so too does his value. You can keep riding him while he's been this warm, but just don't be surprised if... That value kicks the bucket at some point soon. But you can't sort of, you don't want to pre-drop. Miles Turner's dealing with some foot soreness. He's seeking a second opinion. You hate to hear that particular line. I saw someone ask if they should pick up Goga Batadze. I don't think so. Demonis Sabonis is going to play center. Malcolm Brogdon's questionable. That'll move everybody back up a, a click. And that's how everything gets sorted out for Indiana. Brogdon slots in. And then everybody just shifts up. If they have to shift Dustin Holiday to, to power forward, they could do it. Or they could run Torrey Craig at power forward. Or Chris Duarte at small forward. Uh, and, you know, he and Levert and Justin Holiday can kind of be a mix and match two, three, and four. It's not going to be Batadze. And, frankly, I know Justin Holiday had a really nice ball game here. He's been better the last month or so. Probably fits the head-to-head -head mold better than the Roto mold because you might get stuck with that you know, 4.2 rebound, one steal game, which in a head-to-head, -head, you're like, ah, darn it, but he plays again in two days. And in a rotor, you're like, God, come on, wasted a game's cap. Not picking up any of these other guys, though. And hopefully Brogdon can actually get healthy. And I cannot believe that he hasn't just totally shut things down yet. It's close, though. If you can get two weeks out of Brogdon, like leading up to the trade deadline or something, you got to move him from your fantasy team. Don't squat on that. Uh, Charlotte is a team we haven't talked about yet. I got a lot of P.J. Washington questions, and for good reason. I, I don't really like the P.J. Washington experience, and I said that back in August, and then some somehow along the way, between August and draft day, the community at large convinced me that P.J. Washington was worth like a top 100 flyer type of pick, and I've regretted it from the moment... I even mentioned it. I don't, by the way, I don't have him on any fantasy teams because I don't think. It was never, like, they brought in Mason Plumley because they wanted a real center to replace Cody Zeller. It wasn't to just sit him behind PJ. So yeah, all of those guys are probably drops. I'll just be, I've been too nice about it to this point. PJ Washington is only a start when Plumley's out. That's where we're at with this thing. Lamelo, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, all those guys are easy ones. Cody Martin's been a pretty decent stream with no Kelly Oubre, but even that's not a guarantee, and Oubre could be back at some point. Protocols, he might be back this week. Whatever. Whatever. That might be all 30. Did we just do all 30 and not even realize it? Grizzlies. Grizzlies, that's the only team we hadn't talked about. I'm excited about Brandon Clark. I know he didn't have a great ball game on Friday. Nine points, 
a steal, two blocks, a couple of three-pointers. He's been good, though, and he started in this game. I like that. I know as Steven Adams gets healthy, they might bump JJJ back down to power forward, and that would bump Brandon Clark back to the bench. But they're happy with what he's doing right now. He's made some really nice progress, and if he's getting minutes above 20, he's a must-own player. We saw this his rookie year. He regressed last season with weird percentages. His shot was off. His confidence was busted. It's back. He's back. 20 minutes gets him to top 90. Anything beyond that, massive gravy. So yes, all systems go. That's how I feel about Brandon Clark. If they change something, I'll change something too. But right now, uh, he looks like a really nice grab. And that's your MLK Day reverse chronological lightning round. Promo free since 83. Yeah, I was born in 83, by the way. That's joke doesn't make any sense, I guess, if you don't know that part. I am Dan Vaspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Tomorrow, you're going to get a quadruple dose of promos, though. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Have a wonderful NBA all day. And happy MLK Day, everybody. Be good to each other. We'll talk to you tomorrow.